0: Welcome to Change Your Mind About You, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and today we're going to discuss the necessity of questioning reality, the way we see the world. How do you see the world? Is it a friendly place? Or can it be cruel and unfair? Do you experience mostly joy in the world or mostly pain? Are you generally happy, or has life got you down and do you feel depressed? How about your work? Is it fulfilling and gives you meaning, or is it mundane and boring? Do you like where you live, or would you rather live somewhere else? Are your relationships generally satisfying, or are they in shambles? Do you have enough money? Or is making ends meet a constant struggle? The answers to these questions obviously depend on who you are asking and when you are asking them. That's because life in our world is in a constant state of flux. Times and circumstances are always changing. At times we enjoy vibrant health. At other times, we've been sick or injured. There are warm weather seasons, and there are cool weather seasons. There are times of plenty and times of want. There are times of celebrating births and mourning death. As a result, our state of mind tends to shift with time, circumstances, and our personal perceptions. At times, life seems good. And at other times, it's a drag. Our world is indeed a place of perplexing contradictions. It is a place where coexisting opposites are the norm. Rich and poor. Beautiful and ugly. Rising and falling. Building up and tearing down. Kindness and cruelty. Good and evil. We live in a world characterized by opposition, the perpetual presence of opposing forces. This coexisting presence of opposites inevitably brings about conflict. And this conflict is the only thing that seems to never change. We need to look no further than our current world conditions and the record of world history to confirm this. Long ago, King Solomon summed it up well well, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter three, verses one through eight. He wrote, there is a time for everything in a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Why Solomon recognized that we live in a world governed by time, and the presence of coexisting opposites, which come in a variety of forms, many of which he listed there. Our world is indeed a roller coaster, characterized by time-dependent change, seemingly random periods of ups and downs which we often seem to have little control over. What did Solomon conclude about all this? He goes on to say, in verses 12 and 13 of Ecclesiastes 3, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. Most of us would agree with that, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. Eating and drinking is indeed pleasurable and There's nothing better since we spend most of our waking hours working in our lives that we should find satisfaction in all our work. He says about these things, This is the gift of God. Solomon concluded that God wants us to be happy and to enjoy life. He wants us to find satisfaction in all we do. But how is that possible? Amidst relationships and conflicts deaths of loved ones, and so many other activities in life we find, well, not enjoyable. That's a fair question. Do we just grit our teeth and bear with life's unpleasantries? Or do we just blow it all off by saying, hey, this is just the way it is and merely accept the good with the bad? Is it worth trying to change the world and make it a better or is change for the better just a pipe dream? Is this roller coaster of volatility we call life something we ought to cherish while it lasts? Or do the changes it brings cause us to question our values? My friends, today we're going to take a look, good hard look at the things that we far too often take for granted. It's high time for us. To question our views of what we call reality. Scientific studies have demonstrated that we humans generally function at a relatively low state of awareness. We are so preoccupied with what we are thinking and doing at the time, we miss what is right there in front of us. This point's well illustrated. In an experiment that was done back in 1999 by psychologists Simons and Chabris, called the Invisible Gorilla Experiment. Over the past 20 years or so, many of us have seen, have seen this experiment on video. It's become quite popular. But the, for those of you who have not, you can go to YouTube and search for the Invisible Gorilla Experiment to watch it there. Since then... Since that 1999, a number of other experiments of a similar type have been added, which also demonstrate the human tendency towards selective awareness. Now, these psychology experiments, and if you've seen the video of the invisible gorilla experiment, you'll agree, uh, they're fun to participate in, but they also teach us something vitally important about ourselves, When our minds are preoccupied, we often overlook what is happening right in front of us. There are blind spots in our awareness. Thus, we do not see things as they are. We only see what we are looking for. Why is this so critical? Because life is lived in the present moment. If we are blind to what is happening now, we are not enjoying life as much as we could be. So how do we resolve this? Where do we begin our analysis? We simply must begin by questioning our perceptions of reality, for these perceptions are formed through our mental awareness. What the invisible gorilla in other experiments like it teach us is that we have to admit to ourselves that our perceptions of reality are false. This is not a criticism by any means, but merely a a byproduct of life in our fast-paced world. There's a lot going on in the world we live in today. Activities for all ages abound. There are a multitude of responsibilities to take care of a seeming endless variety of tasks all at once sometimes. All this activity makes it difficult to focus our attention and concentrate on what is going on right now. Our technological developments, TV, radio, computers, smartphones... Have a tendency to shorten our attention spans. Our culture today literally breeds attention deficit disorder. Could this attention deficit be partly responsible for our lack of awareness? Indeed, yet there is a more important reason, and that is, we live in a world of perception. Because we are perceivers, Our picture of reality is always incomplete. Our conscious awareness is limited. How are these perceptions produced? Primarily through experience. We use the past to educate ourselves in the present in order to prepare ourselves for our future. This seems logical to us. It's the way we've always done it. But there's a problem with it. The problem is this. Taking this approach to learning and living maintains continuity between the past, present, and future. Continuity sounds good. They all become like each other. Thus, the more things change, though, the more they stay the same. Solomon also so eloquently commented about this issue. What has been will be again, he wrote. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything out of which one can say, Look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. This is Ecclesiastes 1, verses 9 and 10. Now, as Solomon writes this, we we seem to question this in our minds. But this could be a manifestation of our blind spots. It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. Before our time was indeed a blind spot. So if we use the past as the criteria for making a decision in the present, we ensure that the present becomes like the past. We overwrite or obscure the present with the past when we do that. Since what we do in the present affects our future, the future will also become like the past if we use the past as the criteria for building our future. As a result, nothing changes. Throughout history, human beings have desired to eliminate suffering and live in peace. But that hasn't happened. Why? Because the criteria we use for making decisions is not based on the present conditions, but is rooted in the past. We honor the past, but overlook the present in the process. Now let's make this concept personal. When you look at something, anything or anyone, on the basis of the past, You are not seeing them as they are in the present, are you? What you are actually seeing is an image of them you have made up in your own mind on the basis of past experience. But that is not who they are now. What's worse, by passing judgment on that image, what you are doing in reality is passing judgment on yourself because it is your own idea that you are judging. Thus, you are attacking yourself. When you attack yourself, you injure yourself. When you injure yourself, you suffer. This form of attack is deceptively self-destructive. Nearly always, when we attack ourselves in this way, we are not even aware of it in the slightest It happens this way because of a phenomenon called projection. Projection makes perception as a course in miracle states. As we said earlier, a judgment based on the past has no relevance to the present. It only seems that way to us because we make it so by forcing the past onto the present. By forcing the past onto the present, it appears to us that something is there that is really not. It is a form of hallucination. Hallucinations put our minds into a state of confusion. Due to our confused thinking, the something that we think is there actually appears to be outside of us, when it is actually in us, because the idea from which it came originated in us. What we see outside of us, then, is the projection of our own thoughts onto someone else. So here we are thinking we are passing judgment on someone else, when it actually is ourselves that we are condemning this is why jesus taught for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you he says that in matthew chapter 7 and verse 2 that is why when we pass judgment on others we condemn ourselves it is this issue of using the past as our point of reference that gets us into this trouble How can we escape from such madness? This is where the Christian concept of being born again is relevant. When someone is newly born, they have no past, do they? No history, no errors, no sins. Life is brand new, a clean state, a fresh start. That is what's meant by the forgiveness of sins. Sins can only be remembered by recalling the past. If there is no past to recall, there are no sins in existence. It's that simple. Under this condition, your perception of someone in the present is fresh and without judgment. So if you base the future on the present, there will be no judgment, no condemnation, no sins. For nothing from the past is being brought there because there is no past to bring there. Will perceiving people without a past change the way we look at them? Absolutely. When your perception of others changes, Your reality changes. Marketers of products and services love to say, perception is reality. But it's more accurate to say, your perception is your reality. If you allow the present moment to reshape your perceptions of reality, you will not only leave the past behind, but your life will be enriched by becoming more aware of what is going on in the only time that life can be lived, in the present. This concept is one of those that is easy to understand, but challenging to put into practice, unfortunately. Why? Old habits require a great deal of persistence to change. We have had a lifetime of overriding the present with the past. And in our world, reminders of that past abound, which adds to our difficulty. So much of our daily surroundings point to the past, whether they be experiences, photographs, or memories. Yet if we truly want to live in the peaceful and friendly world we all deeply crave, we must become more aware, more conscious of what is happening right now. What's more, there are unseen implications associated with our expanded awareness that has the capacity to completely transform our world. Let's consider now our belief in the existence of God. Whether you are a believer or not at this point, you must conclude that in our current world, God, if he does exist, seems to be watching us from a distance, as the song goes. This God, we are told, is a God of love. Do you love someone from a distance? Are those you love invisible to you? Or are you close to those that you love? The fact that God seems distant in our world causes many to question his existence. Is he even there? Look at all the suffering, sickness, war, and hostility in this world. If he is there and loves all of us, how can such conditions even exist? Is there any real proof that God exists? Well, yes, we do have documented proof. We have written testimony of encounters with God. There are a few people on record who have spoken with him. One was Moses. When Moses was speaking with God on Mount Horeb, he asked him a question. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name. Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's from Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. On the surface, looking at God's response to Moses, it seems real mysterious. Yet if you listen to it carefully... It's revealing, I am who I am. Going back to elementary school grammar, we recognize the phrase, I am, as the first person, present tense form of the verb, to be. Perhaps this is what prompted Buckminster Fuller to say, God is a verb. I might add, a present tense verb. What is being communicated here is that God can only be understood in the context of the present. That is because eternity and time cross one another only at the present moment. If we are influenced to judge the present by using the past, as we are in the habit of doing, we obscure the present moment with the past and are thus unable to see God, who resides only in the present. It doesn't mean he's not there or watching us from a distance, just that we're unable to recognize him. We're unaware of his presence due to our preoccupation with the past. And because human beings are created in the image and likeness of God, if he is who he is, then we are who we are. We cannot be what we were, past tense. Yet when we use the past as a point of reference for the present, that is exactly what we attempt to do. So using the past as a point of reference for identifying the present yields an incorrect interpretation Of both God and by extension, our fellow human beings. And it is because of those misinterpretations that we suffer as we do. So, how can we see God and see one another as we are? Jesus taught us how. He stated in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. That's from Matthew 5, verses 8 and 9. The pure in heart have no past to be held against them. They are free of all sin and defect. They have experienced being born again. They are viewed like a newborn child with total innocence. With no past to be held against them, We see them as they are, not as they were. We see them in the image and likeness of God. By seeing them as they are, as a reflection of God, we are now able to see God himself. We have awakened to the awareness of the heavenly realm. We have a totally different perception of reality. We have become a new creation. By taking this action, we also become peacemakers ourselves. Resolving conflict and becoming reconciled to God and one another, we are now able to live together in peace and tranquility that we have longed for. The past is gone forever as we now extend that present moment into eternity. Well, my friends, that's all I have in store for you for today. Thank you for listening to change your mind about you. Until next time, this is your host, Kevin Mack, reminding you to learn to think differently by focusing your attention on the present moment, starting now. Take care and be well, my friends.